0: Morning, Living Hope. Um, Robbie and everyone, thank you for uh, this. You know, um, this just this uh, setting and the praise today reminds me of uh, uh, Matt Redman. Um, He's uh, one of the, I guess, the most well-known Christian praise leaders uh, in our time. Um, I remember uh, he said that at his church uh, that he was leading. He was leading praise at his church in England, and and his band, and he was getting a. Uh, Famous, and, and so a lot of people were coming to his church just for the music, uh, and because they had a fabulous band and it was top notch, and, and people were just coming. and um, He said that, you know, one, he said he just needed to stop. He needed to stop drawing people with just the music. And so he said that he actually took off all the instruments, he got rid of all the plugs, um, and he led praise in his big huge church people came for the music but he wanted to tell them it's not just the music that should draw you but it is who christ is and what he has done and so that's where the song the heart of worship came from uh he wrote that song to describe you know when the music fades away uh he took all the music and because worship is the is it, jesus is the heart of worship and thank you robbie and the, and the praise band for doing this because it reminded me of that Although he mentioned that uh, some of the songs that we sang were from our fathers and mothers. I actually kind of sang it too. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm dating myself, but uh, those are just wonderful songs. And, and it focuses on on God and what he has done. Uh, and so uh, hopefully that you were blessed um, as, as I was, um, you know, standing here, uh, these two services, just sharing the people. Not only them leading, but hearing you guys seeing these great Hymns and whether it's from old or from from new, uh, these songs about God. You know, uh, this week we're continuing our series on 1 John, this blessed assurance. Um, You know, we got a great introduction uh, last week from uh, Steve Bang, uh, and we continue with 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So if we could actually open up our Bibles and read that passage before we begin. So 1 John chapter uh, 5, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And by the way, for those, uh, sometimes I forget to do this, but my name is Chris. Uh, I'm the family life pastor here, uh, if you're visiting. uh, But yeah, anyways, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You know, last night, I went to our first, um, my family and I, Gina and I, we, my wife and I, we went to a Lakers game before, but it's the first time going to Lakers games with my kids, went to the Clippers and a few other things, but this is the first time. And, you know, my, uh, I got my Laker uh, shirt on. Uh, you know, Jonathan, my older son, has this on. Ethan wanted to buy a, a Baller brand shirt. And I said, absolutely, not. I don't know if you know what that means, but, <laughs> uh, but anyways, he, he, I said, absolutely not, you're not spending any money on, yeah, on that, but that's what he said, so he just rebelled and wore just some other color and just came to the game, and it was, it was exciting, it was at the Honda Center, it was the first preseason game, we're all excited, I'm a big Lakers fan, been there, <laughs> been a fan since the 80s, uh, yeah, I know, since the 80s, uh, but anyways, uh, and when Magic was actually playing, uh, but um, so we went there uh, excited, we're sitting, and it, it's just this awesome thing if you've ever been to any sports arena and you're sitting there, you know everyone's kind of dressed up, everyone's kind of excited. And you're, you're there because not only do you like that, but you love the team. You're, you're cheering for your team. And every, you know that everyone's kind of united in that. Yeah, there's some few um, other fans and people who are not. But everyone comes to the game because they want to see their te- team, and they want to see their team win. Uh, they want to be excited about it. So we all come. We're kind of pumped up to go there. And so it's exciting because there's, you know, we're united in cheering for the Lakers. And, and so it was fun. The game was fun. Uh, but there was, that one, there was one moment. I, I, I guess it was the fourth period. I thought it was a little early. But it's fourth period when the joy of being there was increased. And here, here's why. It wasn't because there was a, a great play or there was an exciting. The game was okay. It was a preseason, so it was okay. It was fine. But you know those big jumbotrons in, 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 the, in the very middle of, of um, Honda Center? And, and uh, you know, my kids have a lot of fun at the kids' cam, and, you know, they take people by surprise. You know, they tell you to dance and all that stuff. I always put my head down. I'm uh, just always afraid that it will come on, and then they go, what? And then, Anyways, so I put my head down, but, you know, my kids love it. And I remember at one point... Uh, the the train, it just came on and you know, just like moving, you know, people, different people and boom, right there, we all kind of pointed and we're kind of, wait, is that, is that somebody that we recognize? Uh, and goes, oh yeah, that was, and so we're all talking, goes, yeah, that, that's somebody that we recognize and all of a sudden my joy became a little greater and it's not because I saw someone famous, but it's because I saw someone that I recognized. And it's not, but it wasn't because it was somebody that I was, you know, super close with, where I hang out with, you know, that person. But I saw somebody from Living Hope. (laughs) I did. I saw somebody. And there was kind of excitement and joy. And I actually thought about it. Why? Yeah, it's somebody from Living Hope. That's fine. But here's the thing soon as I saw somebody from Living Hope there, all excited and standing up and cheering uh, and all that stuff, uh, what I realized is that that joy came because, hey, I know that person, and I see that person every single Sunday. And that person that I see, we come to this particular room right here, and we worship together. We praise God together. That person is part of my church family. And even though we were all there cheering for the Lakers and we were all united in that, what I recognize is that when I make that connection, I became more joyful. I'm not sure exactly why, but I became more joyful knowing that one of my church family members were here. You know, we sing these songs, right? We sing these songs of Praise. And these same songs, as Robbie mentioned, are sung by maybe our parents. Maybe these songs are sung by some other. And as we sing it, we become united. There is something about this fellowship that we have as believers that we feel close together when we go on missions. You ever feel this if you go on missions? Missions? You go to this country that you don't speak the language. Once you step on it and you feel like, oh, it's all strange, you go, but then you start, you meet the pastor there of wherever that mission, or you meet the missionary there, you meet the the Christians there, and all of a sudden, there's this connection that you feel closer to that person than maybe even some of your friends here. There's an automatic connection or what we call fellowship with other believers. And why is that connection so strong? it is because we all are connected because we all have fellowship with God. or so John here tells us that the fellowship that we have with God allows us or is the foundation of our fellowship that we have with one another. The reason why we are close and we call, call ourselves a family is not because we do the same things. It's not because we enjoy the same thing. It's not because we're the same age. It's because we all sit here and we worship the God who loves us all as a church and all as individuals. And what Apostle John here is saying, is saying that if you want that fellowship with one another, you have to go back. Take a step back and make sure that your fellowship with God is secure. See, the assurance, this blessed assurance, and what John is saying is that you can have this assurance that you can have fellowship with God. You know, I said this in my, uh, you know, my first service, but I think, say, if I wanted to and I really wanted to, I can end my sermon in five, no, two minutes, no, one minute, ten seconds. Because all I have to say is, what John wanted to tell us here in this passage is that God desires a Fellowship or God desires fellowship with us. And I can say amen to that and walk out of this room, okay? Because that's a truth that should blow our minds away, that God Almighty wants to have fellowship with us. You know, I remember this comedian who is um, notorious for, for making fun of Christians and religion, and I remember he had his panel and uh, he was just mocking Christians left and right, and in that particular time, he was mocking these athletes who would pray, who would pray uh, before a game or after a game, and he was just mocking them. And He was like saying, you know, what do they think? Do they really think that the God Almighty who created all the universe, it actually cares about their little game that they're playing, that God really cares about who's gonna win, who's not gonna win? And he was just mocking them, mocking them. And I was sitting there, not really getting upset at him. I was just there in my room or in my house answering him. And my answer to him as he was mocking, and my answer would be, yes, he does care. He does care about these little things that we do. He does care when we come here and pray to him about even simple matters. Because he loves us so. Because he wanted to have a fellowship, a relationship with me. Of course he's going to care. That's the difference between an unbeliever's view of this fellowship with God. They think it's it's incredible to think this. That's why they mock it. How could, how could God want to have a relationship with sinners like us? For believers who trust in Jesus Christ. We say, of course, that's my hope. That's my only hope, that he wants fellowship with us. And so John starts with God, as most biblical writers do. It doesn't start with man. He says, if you want this secure, this assurance of sal- not only salvation, but fellowship with God, John starts with God. Most of the religions, um, besides Christianity, start with man. It starts with man and what man has to do to develop a relationship with God or, or, or a superior being. But John and the biblical writers start with God. And here's the difference. If you start with man, and if you say man is the one that creates a relationship with God, what man does is... Man says, okay, let me form a God. Let me determine the basis of this relationship. So man forms the basis. I can do this. I can do that. If I do that, if I don't do that, then he will hate me. He will love me. If I so man kind of determines and sets his own criteria. If I do all of these things, then God will love me and want to have a relationship with me. That's, a, that's religion. Christianity, what the Bible teaches is No. God determines. God says, this is what must happen if we want to have a relationship with me. And so John starts and says, if you want to have this assurance with, with, uh, with this fellowship with God, it starts with God. And if we read, uh, verse five says, this is a message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. So he starts this whole thesis on this uh, fellowship with God, having a relationship with God, he says, God is light. That's how he starts. So what does that mean, that God is light? Uh, before that, uh, I want to go back a little bit and says, this is the message we have heard from him came to you. Because sometimes this, uh, this Christianity sometimes is, is abstract for some people. It's something that is emotional only. But for John, it's much more than that, although it's part of that. Because verses 1 through 4, he spends... Um, these uh, the prologue to John, this beginning, he says, Which we have heard, this is verse one, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hand concerning the word of life. So he's saying, Hey, I've seen God act first, I've seen it with my eyes, I've touched him. He's the one that came down. We didn't do anything for it to force him to come down, for force him to act, but he actually came down and I saw it, I was there. When he came, when he did the miracles, I was there. When he died, I was there. When he resurrected, I was there. This is not a fantasy. This is not a story, but this is actually truth and historical fact. I've seen that God acted first. We didn't make him come. He came on his own accord. But that wasn't the only thing. He realized that God acted on him first too. Not only really on, on the world, because sometimes when we think about God as this historical figure that he actually came, it's almost like this painting or this, uh, this movie that we see. And for John, it was much more than that. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, and this is his first encounter, obviously, with, with Jesus, is while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and this is Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So this is Simon and and Andrew. And then in verse um, 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Okay, and then this verse 21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. So John is, this John, his brother, is the apostle John in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. You, you, you see, God comes. He came to John. And let me say that again. is so important that we realize this, is that God initiates this relationship with us that even though John saw it historically, the thing that made probably more sense to him is that this guy that was maybe on a painting or a movie actually stepped out of that painting and came to him directly and said, follow me. He acts. He initiates. He's the bold one. He's the one that takes that first step. And If you ever read the book of John, his gospel, what you see is that whenever he is in the book, whenever he has to write a story about him where he's there, he'll name Peter, he'll name Andrew, he'll name James. But when he comes to him, he never says his name. But when it's time for to describe this John in the book, he doesn't put John, he says the one that Jesus loved. The one, the beloved. That's how he viewed himself. He viewed himself as one that Jesus loved. That's why he is called the beloved. That's why he, his, fo- his focus, if you read on and we'll hear about this, he talks about God as love. He says, love one another and we think oh he's just a, you know just a, a soft emotional soft guy who who just loves to talk about love. No no the thing is he experienced it. He experienced God's love upon his heart. God initiated it. And so for him this wasn't a doctrine to teach but it is an experience to tell. And he wanted that same experience, the same truth to be in all of those who believe in Jesus Christ. That you can have a loving God, love you, and have fellowship with you. But interesting, though, when he starts with uh, this God-centered, uh, he doesn't say God is love. He'll talk about God is love. But he starts with God is light. God is light. He says, this fellowship with God, the first thing that I want you to tell, I want you to know about who God is, is that God is light. Well, what is this Light. Uh, Psalm 27:1 says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? Psalm 36:9 says for with you is a fountain of life in your light do we see light. So it's not a, a brand new concept that uh, he speaks of God as light in the Old Testament there are places where God is described as light and my salvation or he is in your light do we see light. So it's not something brand new but it is difficult sometimes to see, because there's a lot of um, uh, heretics there, uh, and I think he used this God is life because he was defending, he was making sure that his children, the one he was, that he was writing to, they don't get caught up with some of these false teachings where they're trying to separate. And we talked you know last week uh, we talked about this Gnostics who would separate the body and the spirit. Where the spirit is important, body is the flesh. And so whatever you do in the body, is actually really not that important. And you want to try to get rid of the body. And that's why, you know, John speaks about, hey, I saw his body, I touched him, I saw, you know, I, I, I felt him. Um, and so he, want, he wants us to know that this light is not only to the heretics, not only to the, the, the non-believers, but this light I'm going to use. And I'm going to express it, because the Old Testament used it, and I'm going to use it too. And it says, what he means when he says God is light, are uh, two things. One is holiness. When the Old Testament refers to God as light, uh, what the Old Testament uh, is referring to is God is holy or God is pure. That God is the only one where there is no sin. God is the only one who could do, quote, no wrong. He was holy. He was holy, 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 as we say today. So that's one aspect. It's an ethical aspect. Um, Aspect, the moral aspect, um, or ethics aspect. Um, but he also, uh, he gives us a clue to what else he meant. Uh, if you look at verse 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live according to the truth. So he puts walking in, um, uh, walking in the light with living the truth, living according to the truth. So it seems like truth and light seems the same thing. Or maybe not truth, the word revelation. And that makes more sense, right? God is light. He reveals things. I think those are the two aspects, that when he reveals things, he's revealing the truth. So there's this holiness and there's this truth impacted in this analogy of God is light. And what I think is, is that these two are not separate things. Because truth, revelation in the Bible also determines how you live. You see, there's an ought that people are, you know, philosophers have philosophized forever. It's this ought. You know, why should I do something? I ought to. What forces me to do something? Because truth in itself is a fact, it is irrelevant. Truth matters when it leads to something. So big deal if there's truth. But if this truth does not lead to something, what the Bible does is says, no, you can't have truth and not action at the same time. The truth of God's word, what God reveals, forces you to act a certain way. Determines what is right and wrong. And so what God, Apostle John, is saying is that God is like. He is without sin, but he also is the one that reveals what sin is and what sin isn't. He reveals what is holy and what is unholy. And so God is light. And so that's how he starts. Now, why is this important? Well, because he says this in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we understand God is light, and if we walk in that light, then we have fellowship with one another, but that assumes that we're going to have fellowship with God. So let me rephrase that. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and if we understand what the light is, and if we walk in that light, then our fellowship with God is secure. And then we're allowed to have this great fellowship with one another. So what does it mean to walk in the light? Walk in the light, as we this, this light, we discover that it is revelation, right? And this revelation is the truth of God's word. Truth. And what is truth? Truth is God's word. So what I think John is getting here is that when we are walking in the light, we're walking in the light that God provides us. So we're able to see things in a way that God sees things. We're able to see things the way the Bible sees things. So if we're walking in the light, we see everything. Our, our focus is not narrow. There is no there's dark place. No, when we see light, when God shines his light and we're walking in that light, We see everything. And our actions, remember, truth, if it's just truth, it's useless. But if it's truth that leads to action, then it means something. So whatever God reveals, whatever God, you know, if we walk in that light, then we're living according to God's word. And I think that's what it means for us to walk in the light, is to live according to God's word. Now, opposed to that is this verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, he says that's contradictory. He says we're lying. We're not practicing the truth. He says if we walk in, if we, you know, we say that we have fellowship with God, but we're not walking in the light. We're walking in darkness. We're contradicting ourselves. We're not really living the, the real life. So now we have to define what it means to walk in darkness, and that's much easier, right? Walking in darkness is the opposite of walking in the light. is putting blinders on. And I I feel like he's talking to people who believe that they're Christians, but in actuality, he's saying, no, you're not. He is the God of love, but he is also the God, I mean, he is the apostle of love, but he is also the apostle of truth. He speaks about truth, and he wants to be direct with people. He says, if you are walking in darkness, you may think that you have fellowship with God, but you don't. And John Piper describes it this way. Uh, he says, you, you know, imagine that you're in a room and, and you turn off all the lights, right? And you're dark, completely darkness, and, and you're reaching on your right and your left. And on your right, you feel this, this furry thing. It, it's soft, uh, and, and it's very, you know, gentle when you touch it. And on your left side, it's a, it, it seems sharp, it seems hard, it seems rigid, and... And he says, if you are, you know, if it's complete darkness, you know, most people will go to the, the warm, fuzzy feeling type of thing. Because that's the one, want. they want comfort, right? They don't want to go there and try to, you know, they might hurt themselves if they touch this and it's, you know, dropped on their foot, I don't know, something. And so, and so what John Piper says is that that's what people in darkness, they go to the things that is going to comfort them. They think it's going to comfort them, that's going to soothe them. They want to go away from this, the harsh thing. And so it's John Barrett said, when you turn on that light, and as this person is kind of petting or just kind of touching this thing, what he realized is that it's actually a, a fur, and underneath that fur is this monster with big, huge teeth that's ready to devour you. Okay? He said, that's, that's what the, and he, you know, you're going toward. And here, uh, this hard, sharp, breathing thing is actually a sword, God's sword that you need to pick up and go and kill this monster that's here. He says, people in darkness want to go to this because they feel like this is what the, the, the truth. This is what's good. But when you turn on that light, uh, you, you, you would go for that source. You can go kill the monster. And he says, that's what walking in darkness means. You're blindfolded. You're touching these things, and you feel like these things are the things that comfort you. The worldly desires, the worldly desires of this world, you run towards, and that dictates how you live. That determines what job you get. That determines what school, what major. That determines how you raise your kids. Those things that in this world, it's going to dictate how you live. Well, if you turn on that light, these are the things that is going to devour you. It may give you comfort for a little bit, you so turn on that light, you go and find the sword which can kill the things that would eventually engulf you in sin. And that's what John is saying here. John is saying is these people who are put blinders on, who think they have a fellowship with God, and God is only there to give them stuff. So what if He uses sin to give them the stuff? Hey, I need joy and happiness. Isn't that what God wants me to have? Well, this particular worldly thing is going to give me that. But God is going to, you know, God's the one that's leading me towards it, right? Because he wants me to be happy. He wants me to be satisfied. And so these people in blinders are walking in darkness. They actually don't. They don't. They do not know what it means to have fellowship. They do not have fellowship with God. And so John continues It says, but if we walk in the light, if we walk in God's truth, if we allow this this bright light to come into our lives, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, His Son cleanses us from all sin. Well, so that's easy, right? Let's do that. (laughs) Let's open up our Bibles. Let's read God's Word and let's live according to it. Our joy will be complete. Everything will be good and we'll kill the monster and we're walking uh, and we have fellowship with God. And this very next point is the reason why I cannot finish my sermon in 5, 10 seconds. Because if the only thing that you need was to hear, hey, God wants to have fellowship with you, and then leave, he goes, oh, that's good, but why don't I? Why do I feel like God is over there, and I'm here? Why do I feel like God is against me? Why do I feel at times? I come to church and I serve, but what do I feel at times that God is just never satisfied? That I work, that I serve, I'm good to my kids, I'm good at school. Why does it feel like God is still over there and not coming towards me? Sure, I understand that God desires a fellowship with me, but why do I feel that he is over there? Because you have learned that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved. And I feel, and I, I'm totally convinced of that, is so that once you're saved, you are saved. But why does God still feel over there? And so John speaks to that. Because it's simple to, for John to say, if you walk in the life, but here is the problem. When you turn on the light, it exposes everything. You know, I had a funny conversation with my son, my younger son. He's in uh, sixth grade, Um, still a little shy. Not at home, but (laughs) outside of home. And uh, he asked me a question this morning. He said, not this morning, uh, this week. He goes, do I have to go to church this week? What? Of course you do, right? (laughs) Of course you have to go to church uh, this Sunday. And it's really the first time he's ever asked that. Um, he didn't say, are we going to, are we, and he said, do I, oh, he was like almost, do I have to go to church this Sunday? And so, you know, it's kind of a strange question, right? And he goes, yeah, of course I have to preach, you know, I have to, you know go to church, you guys, you know, we got to worship. So we're going to come to church. Yes. And so he was like really nervous the whole week. And so, you know, finally we we're talking about it and he goes, why don't you want to come to church, uh, you know, today? Because his birthday is next week, his birthday is next Sunday and in KKC, they had this birthday thing in uh, the first week of um, the month, and they have all the kids come up, whoever's birthday is, and they ask him these questions, this hard, you know, pressing question, like, what is your favorite food? <laughs> and he was really super nervous, so nervous that he didn't want to go to church, because he didn't want to go up. I said, Hi, how about if I just go to... You know, Sunday, you know, you go to Sunday school, and then I just take you before you go to worship. He was so happy, but I was just joking around. <laughs> so, he goes, no, you're going up there. And then we're like, we're like working on his, you know, his answers. So, they're going to ask you, what is your favorite food? Hey, just, you know, John and I were kind of messing around with him. We'd say banana cream. <laughs> banana cream. Yeah. We thought it was funny. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> so, our family thought it was funny. Uh, and, you know, favorite movie, Cinderella. We're like, you know, just trying to mess around with him. Uh, and so, I mean, he's here. I'm sure he, he just, he did it. I don't, I don't think he said banana cream or, or Cinderella. But I said, no, you got to come. You got, you know, be a man, get up there and say your stuff, all right? Um, and, and so, uh, but he felt like he was exposed. <laughs> like if he was, you know, sitting, just like, right, like I, when I don't have the pulpit, three, I feel like, where do I go? Where do I stand? I can't put my hand on But anyways, you feel a little exposed. Um, and he felt exposed and he didn't want to reveal, even if it's his favorite food or favorite show, Uh, For some reason, he felt nervous about that. He felt like he was being interrogated by these KKC teachers, by these adults, forcing him to answer questions that he was uncomfortable with, okay? And that's what happens when we turn on that light. You know, we always think of light as thing that lights our path, guides us um, to a certain direction of God's will. But the greatest thing that the light does is it exposes us, Uh, It exposes our sin. It's difficult reading the Bible when you know it's talking about you, isn't it? You love it when you can feel like it's talking about somebody else. But what the light does is that it exposes your weakness, it exposes that you're not perfect, that there's something wrong with you, that you are at fault. It's not God's fault. But it's your sin that caused this mess. And we don't want to hear that. We're too proud. And we almost want God over there. Because we don't want that light exposed on us. It's difficult. It's a difficult thing. Because we know that we have to read the Bible. We know we have to worship. And we know we have to be guided by God's word. And we're okay to a certain degree with that. We can live this moral life that makes our our family happy, that makes other people happy. But it's one thing to shine your light that way. It's another thing for the light to shine this way and into your hearts. And exposure. And isn't that why we don't confess our sins to one another? Because we don't know what they're going to say. We don't know how they're going to react. We're scared. It makes us smaller than the other person. It makes us weak. So we don't want to confess our sins to one another because we're vulnerable then, right? They can take advantage of us. So we don't want to do that. Why? But John's solution to this broken relationship that you have with God, not a, it's not the permanent broken where God is forever gone. Like I said, but it is like a family relationship. You know, once I have a fight with my, my kids or my wife or we have an argument, our relationship is broken for a while. We're still married. We're, we still have that relationship. I still love my kids and my wife no matter what happens. That's still there, but there is a, a, a separation, right? And that's what, that's what I mean by, by this broken fellowship. Not a complete one. We're still a child of God, but we feel like separated from God. And what God says, when that happens expose that light into your heart. And then he says, simply, and it's just a matter of fact, in verse nine, if we confess our sins, where he says, you want that restoration, you want that fellowship, you want to be right with God again, confess your sins. The sin that's bright as ever, as God's light shines upon it, confess that sin. That's what's keeping you apart. It is not 20 hours of service to God. It is not coming daily to church and even praying, although those things are all good. It is not even going to missions, although those things are good. If you want to be right with God, confess your sins. So clear. You know, these people that John was speaking about, these heretics, they claim that they were without sin. They claim that they didn't sin at all, that they don't have a sinful nature, that they're perfect. And it's almost laughable when I read that. How could anyone think that? That they don't sin? Or their their thoughts aren't somewhere else? No, no, we sin, people. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 40, 50 years, you sin. If you're an unbeliever, you sin. We, we, we sin. And John is saying that's what's keeping you away from a restored fellowship with God. That assurance go and confess your sin. And this is what he promised confess your sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. You see, the the problem that when we have, when we're we're not confessing our sins uh, to one another, it's really unpredictable what that person will do. If they will hate you, if they will reject you, if they will hug you, we don't really know. But here's a great thing about God's fellowship. We actually know. When we confess, lay down our greatest sins to God, John says he is faithful and just. To what? To forgive us of our sins. God will never say, no, your sin is too great. You have rebelled too much. You have gone way over there. I cannot have fellowship with you. I cannot embrace you anymore. He says, no. He will say, yes, I will forgive you. He will be faithful. His answer is not unpredictable. His answer is clear. That's there. And what Jesus says, when John says, we need to confess our sins. And this is, when he says confess our sins, it doesn't mean just one time. It's a continual confessing of our sins. See, walking in the light cannot be walking in the light without walking in repentance. Repentance. If you don't repent, you can't walk in the light. Those two don't go together. I'm sorry, those two go together, I'm sorry. You, as, you, as, you, as you walk in light, that means you're repenting. It's a life of repentance. And as you repent, you are reminded that this is a promise that God has. He's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all right, unrighteousness. And I mentioned this in morning prayer a couple of weeks ago and Jerry Bridges I think is the first one to kind of coin this phrase. He says preach the gospel to yourself every day. And that's what John is basically saying, confess your sins and he will, you know, forgive you of your sins. But that's the gospel. That's preaching the gospel to yourself. You know, Martin Luther said this every morning. He says, I'm accepted. God's my loving Heavenly Father. He sees me as he sees Jesus, and he loves me as he loves Jesus. He preached that gospel every single morning. And that truth resided in his heart and his mind so that he understands that when he does confess his sins, and when he commits a sin, he can confess it, and then he will be forgiven of that sin, and he will be accepted by God. And that fellowship will be restored. You know that... The odd thing about Christianity, it's just this upside-down thing about with Christianity, is, is that the more ready we are to confess our weakness and our sins, we are closer to God and to others. Kind of the opposite of what the world tells us. Show our weakness. We confess. We become vulnerable to people. They'll you know, trample over us. They'll walk all over us. What this says is that the more we are ready to confess our weakness, and sin to God, we actually get closer to God. And that is a promise that John gives us. But not John. That is a promise that Jesus gives us. So many of us have come into this room, worshiping, thinking God, thoughts, ready to lift up God and all. But we also, you know what else also we bring? We bring our sins into this room. We bring sin into this room, and that's the thing that hinders us from being free to praise God with all of our hearts. It's a sin that causes us to think about other things, to let our minds drift. It's a sin. And what John is telling us is, hey, you brought those sins into this room. Let's confess it. Let's confess those sins. Let's get rid of it. And he is faithful and just. And he will forgive us of those sins. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's do that this morning before we leave this room. There is absolutely no reason why anyone here should not be doing that. Even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, even you not don't, you, don't, you doubt it, I know in your heart that you want this loving fellowship with God. The thing that we need to do is to confess our sins. Let's bow our heads and pray. And what I want to do is I want to spend just a couple of minutes, uh, and I want you guys to just kind of think about your, your heart right now, and expose God's light into um, your heart and see the sin arise. And let's bring that sin or sins to God right now. And let's confess those sins to God and hold on to the promise that God says that he is a faithful God. He does not lie. His word stands strong, which means that If he says that he will forgive us of our sins, he will. If he says that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, he will. Because there's love in him. Because there's desire in him. A desire to have fellowship with sinners like us. What a glorious God we have. Let's pray right now and let's confess those sins. security in the cross, Lord. That once that death of Jesus Christ and that blood that was spilled, Lord, once that is applied to us, we are saved. We are saved to the end, Lord. But Lord, our our lives sometimes are filled with sins, Lord. Unconfessed sins that not completely break But sets you further away from us. And Lord, the apostle John says, then our joy is not complete, it is incomplete. Lord, I I pray that we would shine your light upon our hearts. Expose those sin and the weakness, Lord. And Lord, continue to confess live a life of repentance Lord so that we are closer to you and that our joy may be complete Lord may we not walk out of this room may we not walk out of this room but say help us to lay it before you and we know you will forgive us. Thank you, Lord Pray, in the name of Jesus.